0: Am I picturing something very different in my mind when I'm talking about how I actually see this value getting played out than you are? Because we're going to clash if we have very different perceptions of or visions of how those values actually get enacted. Getting on the same page as your partner in parenting is not one and done. It's not a single conversation, but really a constantly evolving process that takes time and energy. In this episode, I'm going to offer you some tools that you and your partner can use to work together so that you can align your parenting vision, have strategies that help you communicate effectively, and a few questions to consider that kind of look beyond simply listing what's important to you and really digging deeper to decipher how you actually envision this playing out in your daily life. Hopefully, by the end of this episode, you're going to be able to relax a little and feel assured that as long as you and your partner are parenting with the same basic underlying values, that your styles don't need to be identical in order for your children to feel safe and loved and to form secure attachment relationships with each of you. What it means to be a team and to create a partnership looks different for every couple and every family. But at the end of the day, as long as you both feel trusted, respected, and supported, you are doing it right. Hi, I'm Dr. Sarah Bren, a clinical psychologist and mom of two. I've built a career dedicated to helping families find deep connections, build healthy relationships, repair attachment wounds, and raise kids who are healthy, secure, resilient, and kind. In this podcast, I've taken all of my clinical experience, current research on brain science and child psychology, and the insights I've gained on my own parenting journey, and distilled everything down into easy-to-understand and actionable parenting insights to help you understand the building blocks of children's social, emotional, and cognitive development so you can tune out the noise and tune into your own authentic parenting voice with confidence and calm. This is securely attached. So what I'm so excited to talk to you about today is a question that I get asked about so much in parenting work, and that is, what do I do when my partner and I are not feeling like we're on the same page when it comes to our parenting values or how we wanna raise our kids or how we handle different types of behavioral issues and just how we we work as a team. When we're not on the same page with our partner in parenting, it can be really stressful and it can make parenting feel lonely and sort of exhausting. So what do we do? Because this is actually really common because let's be honest, we're two different people who are raised by our own sets of parents in a completely different world. You know, even if you, you know, my husband and I are both from like a town over from one another. But our lives are very different. Growing up, your families matter so much in the way that you ultimately become a parent. So how do you reconcile two individuals who have their own experiences being parented, coming together to parent a child? It's hard. So today we're going to talk a little bit about what can make it easier and why these challenges are so challenging and also why that's okay and how to kind of subtly shift your mindset and kind of increase your effectiveness in how you communicate with your partner so that they understand where you're coming from, you understand where, they, where they're coming from, so that you can resolve conflicts with each other in a way that is respectful and effective and makes you guys feel closer at the end of it. So let's start out with communication, because I actually think that's one of the bedrock pieces of what helps getting on the same page with your partner in parenting. When you have effective communication and you understand one another, it does not mean you always agree. That is not a prerequisite for parenting together. But when you can talk about when you don't agree, or when you can talk about what's going on in a moment where you're feeling like, oof, we're coming at this from a really different angle that is a really big step in the right direction. So what does that look like? It's very similar to when I talk to parents about um, ways to help their child hear them and ways to communicate effectively with their child. We always say like you want to talk to your kid about what's going on and process things or what I like to call a debrief in cool, calm, connected moments not in the heat of things. So when our kids are losing it, that's not the time to step in and kind of explain a lot of stuff to them. We first have to help them feel connected to us, feel safe, feel regulated, and then we can give them some sort of, you know, behind the scenes or explanation for why we want them to do what we want them to do or why we want them to understand where we're coming from. The exact same processes apply to our partner. So I always recommend having conversations not in the middle of a of a tense moment, but afterwards, or you know, when you guys are clashing potentially over a parenting uh, strategy, that's not the time to duke it out. It's it's better to kind of kind of connect afterwards, regroup, debrief, go over what worked, what didn't work, how did it make me feel, how do I think it made you feel owning where we think we could have done better, and giving grace to our partner. So so sort of remembering that we want to talk when, when things are cool and when we're feeling connected to each other. But what do we want to talk about when it's in those calm, quiet moments? Well, one important thing is to really kind of have a sense of like, okay, what is my approach to parenting? And what is yours? Deciding what's important to you individually, and then also what is important to you together as a team so that you can intentionally decide on your unique family values. You wanna define those terms. You wanna have a sort of game plan. What, um, what are my values? What are my standards? I like to distinguish between a value and a standard too with a partner because we might share a value, but the standard, which is kind of how we see those values getting kind of honored or played out might be different. So for example, if I am – I might share with my husband a value of respectful communication with our kids, but in the moment, my standard for what that value looks like in practice – might look different than what my husband's standard for respectful communication looks like. I might think I'm being respectful if I'm getting low, down to eye level, and speaking to them um, in a way that takes into account their perceptions and their preferences. My husband might think that respectful communication is him giving a kid, my, you know, our son a heads up about what's coming next, but not necessarily doing it the same way I would do it. So he might think he's being respectful and I might watch what he's doing and say, "Ugh, that felt really disrespectful to me because he's kind of just, you know, barking something at our kid from above, which he doesn't do, but... <laughs> we all do sometimes <laughs> and i think being able to say to one another like hey what is our what is our shared values but not just that but how do we actually see it like playing out like what does that look like for me what does that look like for you another big time this comes up is like when we have you know sharing the load in parenting and do we feel like both of our are um our kind of responsibilities feel even to one another. That's another time when when really having an understanding of how that those standards align. You know, am I picturing something very different in my mind when I'm talking about how I actually see this value getting played out than, than you are? Because we're gonna clash if we have very different perceptions of, or visions of how those values actually get enacted so being on the same page not just in our values but in how we actually see those things getting getting executed and then having really open lines of communication so that means like we can't just set it and forget it okay we have our set of values we have our set of standards we're done no we're not this this is a a living, breathing thing that is ever-changing. I mean, our kids change every single day. So our approach to parenting has to kind of evolve with that. And so having open lines of communication where we're regularly checking in with one another and regularly sort of you know, planning ahead or reviewing the week or trying to see like what went well, what didn't go well, where did I feel kind of alone in my parenting? Where did I feel unsupported? Where did you, did I, like, you know, giving everybody an opportunity to kind of share their experience without judgment, without defensiveness, but really sort of in a a safe and attuned way where you're giving the other person the benefit of the doubt, but where you can therefore, in that safe space, actually troubleshoot. So trusting and respecting your partner enough to talk about what didn't work, what did work, what you want to see different, how you actually want that to look different, like what you actually want to see change over the course of the week going forward. And also the benefit of this is, one, it's it helps kind of organize your week. I actually think parents would you know, do well to have a weekly check-in where we're just kind of making sure, hey, what worked, what didn't work, and what can we do differently next week? Um, something as simple as, you know, we need to get up a little bit earlier so that we have a little bit more breathing room in the morning because it was rushed this week. And um, thinking about division of responsibilities for the week. I've got this. You've got that. Okay, wait, are we missing anything? And if we are, who's going to pick up the slack? Or if we think of something, you know, spontaneously in the middle of the week, who's going to be kind of responsible for, for carrying the reins on that? And you can kind of have your kind of always responsibilities or you can shift things off, um, you know, pass them back and forth to each other. But you got to find out what, what works for you guys. And also knowing each other's strengths and each other's sort of areas of like, this isn't my wheelhouse can be helpful too. Because if we play to our strengths, we're a more effective team. So, you know, I tend to do better with the kids at in the evening time, I have more bandwidth. After a long day of work, I still have a little bit of energy to kind of manage their big moods and they're tired and they they lose it more easily. And my husband has a bit of a shorter, you know, bandwidth for that. But in the mornings, I am so not up and he is so good at being with them in the morning and kind of he's on. So We kind of play to our strengths in that way, giving ourselves permission to kind of, you know, tag team a little bit so that we each sort of can have a part of the day that we can take a step step back and be the support staff versus like the primary go-to parent. But you have to figure out what works for you and the only way you're going to do that is is to actually talk about it and play it out and reassess together, hey, that worked. That felt really good or, "Eh, you know, I want to work on that. Another thing that I think is really important when you're talking about getting on the same page with your partner and parenting is to have a lot of compassion, Um, to try to see things from their perspective as much as you can. That doesn't mean that your perspective isn't valid. It doesn't mean that it doesn't matter or count. But to know that like we are two people and we're always looking at parenting from two different angles, even if we're trying to align them, there's always something slightly different. And so, you know, being attuned to your partner and parenting, paying attention to their affect, their bandwidth, their their energy levels, their their breaking points, right? If you – if If you see your partner getting overwhelmed or getting a little hot with the kids, it's okay to step in. A lot of parents will see um, their partner is kind of doing something "quote unquote" wrong that they wouldn't do. Um, They they can get panicked and they're like, "Ah, he's going to screw this up, or she's going to screw this up," and 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 I have to rush in and rescue. But a lot of the times, you know, we all need to figure out our rhythm with our kids. And if there's a primary parent who's always kind of rushing in to rescue and rushing in to take over or rushing in to fix, not only does it kind of communicate to the child that the other parent really can't, you know, can't be relied upon to do this and to figure it out and that maybe this isn't so safe or easy or okay for them to be being the leader and the other parent, you know, needs to rescue me. So it can increase anxiety for our kids, but also it prevents the other parent from kind of getting their hands dirty and trial and error and figuring out what does and doesn't work. I mean, a lot of times when you're a new parent, it's trial by fire. It's just you you figure it out as you go. And oftentimes it's the mother who spends that first couple months very closely with their baby figuring this out and figuring out their rhythm with their child. And then as that mother steps back a little bit to let the partner in, um, there's an anxiety about letting that partner kind of go back to sc- step one again and make the same mistakes that maybe we did at the beginning that we have now figured out the solution for. But in robbing them of that opportunity to Figure some of this stuff out on their own, we're actually robbing them of this beautiful opportunity to bond with that child because it's struggling with our kid sometimes that allows us this rich opportunity to feel very real with them and to get to that solution on their on our own, right? Like, It's kind of like when we talk about little kids playing, for example, and we're talking about building distress tolerance, and you see that baby, and they're reaching for that ball, and they can't get it. They can't quite reach it, and all of a sudden, they figure out that if they twist their body just ever so slightly, their hand can like grasp that ball, and they've got it, and that look of satisfaction on their face when they get that ball. If we had gone in there and said, oh, here's the ball and just handed it to them, they would have been very, very mildly enthused by receiving this ball, but nothing compared to that feeling of satisfaction of reaching for it and grasping it themselves after a little bit of struggle. That resilience building, that distress tolerance, that, that self-satisfaction and connection with our intrinsic motivation is so powerful. We all deserve an opportunity to have that experience. And a parent who's figuring it out with their kid, if another parent comes in and rescues them, and says, oh no, no, that's not the way you're doing the diaper, you know, let me, let me show you. It it can, you know, it can take away the opportunity for that parent to kind of get to that point where they figured it out, like, oh, the diaper goes this way. Oh my God. And these tabs, they go. Oh my God, I got it. I got it. And that moment of I got it is so reinforcing and it helps that parent bond with that baby or that child. And that is important. So giving your partner opportunities to fail, giving them opportunities to struggle, not jumping in to rescue them all the time. Because yeah, you might know it best and you might know the right way to do it. And you might know the way that your child likes it. But the other parent has to figure that stuff out too and when they do on their own it's powerfully bonding for them and their child and they develop a sense of ownership and investment and empowerment in their role as a parent which is incredibly valuable nobody wants to take that away from anybody so just like i tell parents to sit on their hands when they're watching their child reach for that ball Sit on your hands when you're watching your partner struggle to get the diaper right or to get the swaddle right or, you know, to just do whatever it is that you think you know how to fix. And you may very well know how to fix it, but don't and see what happens. And, of course, if, you, if they ask for your help, then come on in and be supportive and maybe do the least minimal Again, this is like I could be talking about kids, I could be talking about partners. It's all the same, right? Do the least minimal level of intervention necessary to help them. Scaffold, give them support without doing it for them, but get them as close to get give them a little nudge closer to the goal so that they can accomplish the thing on their own ultimately, that they're the one that solves the problem. You just did it. You supported it. That's so much better than jumping into rescue. So I think that comes up a lot, too. Um, and, you know, I think another thing is going back to the idea of values, is it's also okay for parents to parent differently. Do we want to be wildly inconsistent in our approach to parenting? No. Do we want to have extremely different values when it comes to parenting our kids? That's going to make it hard, granted. But at the same time, two parents are going to have two very different relationships with their children and their their approach to parenting doesn't need to be exactly the same in order for that child to develop a secure and loving and attuned relationship with that caregiver right not all attachment relationships have to be identical in order to be secure they can all be secure and look very different so knowing that I, I hope can give you a little comfort in saying to yourself, "I don't need to. We don't need to parent exactly the same. I might have a way that I think is best, um, and it may work for me and my kid. And my partner might have a slightly different way. And as long as they're able to meet my child, our child's needs most of the time in their own way, and help that child to feel safe with them." They, they don't have to do it always the same way that you do it. And if you feel like your way is the best way, which I'm certainly guilty of being a psychologist and having studied a lot of different parenting approaches. And I remember I when I first learned about Rye and I started doing the foundations training, and which was like an eight-day intensive all-day long training. And I would come home. Our daughter was – gosh, she was four months old when I did this. The only reason I was able to do it was because it was on mater- maternity leave. I actually think she was younger than that. She might've been three months old. And I would come home every single day and I would just gush to my husband about all these cool things about Rye. And I was like, oh, it's this and this. And if you do this, and this is so amazing. And he literally one day looked at me dead in the face and said, Sarah, I hate it when you talk to me about Rye. I hate it. It's the most annoying thing ever. And I was like, what? Whoa, where is this coming from? Like this is my new passion. Like how could you possibly hate it? And and it's amazing. Like I don't understand. It's like brilliant and beautiful and it's so aligned with our parenting values. And he was like, every time you talk about Rye, all I hear is you telling me all the ways that I parent wrong. And it was like this Light bulb moment for me, where I was like, "Oh my goodness, I have been, <laughs> I have been tainting this for him, um, just because I've been inadvertently been kind of shoving it down his throat, and if I had instead just shown up, and parented this way, without necessarily." lecturing and critiquing, which I didn't realize I was doing, but looking back, of course I was. Um, And, you know, nobody wants unsolicited parenting advice, not even your partner in parenting. And so, you know, I, I think it was a very valuable lesson for me to sort of say, okay, one, how do I present this to my partner in a way that feels empowering to them and invited by them? Also, are there other ways to do it that aren't necessarily verbal, like me just sitting there running through all the things that we should be doing now, but saying, you know, by by showing up and doing it. And, you know, when I – I mean, full disclosure, two years later, my husband is like a total rye dad. He loves rye and he – um loves risk, like the principles of respectful parenting because he's watched how well it works at helping our kids feel regulated. And even beyond Right, just the idea of like neurobiology and understanding how a child's nervous system and how you can help a child regulate through co-regulation and through your own nervous system, which we talked about in the episode with Dana Rosenblum about co-regulation, like all that stuff. He's such a fan of that because he watched it work. And not because I told him it was the best way to do it. And I think the less I I told him how great it was, the more he just could sit and not be defensive around it because he wasn't hearing all these critiques of his own parenting, but he just was able to show up and parent his way. And I would show up and parent with the information I had. And over time, when he would see me respond to my child's upset and tantrums in the way that was co-regulatory and he saw how quickly it would help them move through those moments and how to make certain things playful so that kids could feel collaborative and participate and how when I would tell my kids where I was going before I left the room how it didn't make them freak out in fact it helped them feel calmer Um, and how val, you know I could go on and on and on. (laughs) This whole podcast is going to be about the ways that, you know, these types of parenting strategies work. But modeling it and just living it is so much more valuable, I think, and so much more easy to receive from your partner's standpoint than being lectured and being kind of critiqued on all the things that they are doing wrong. So those are some thoughts to – to sort of have in the back of your mind when you're thinking about getting on the same page as your parenting partner, right? Identifying your values, talking about it, communicating about it, making sure that your values and your standards, how those values actually get executed are aligned, are similar, are at least you guys are in the same orbit, trusting and respecting that your partner has their way of doing things and having compassion for them and reg- recognizing that you know each parent kind of has to approach parenting with some level of agency and some level of autonomy so that they can develop that bond with their child completely uninterrupted or controlled by the other parent. We want everybody to get those wins where they figure that tricky thing out for the first time, where they see something that they've been struggling with, finally click. That's powerful for your partner or you and your child. And then finally, making sure that if you have divergent parenting strategies, that you are giving your partner room to experience the way you do it without feeling suffocated by the way you do it, without feeling lectured by you or critiqued by you but by just having an opportunity like to watch it work um or not work right i don't get it right all the time and my husband has certainly seen me flail with my children and you know he's able to step in and tap you know i'm able to tap out and he's able to step in and you know solve the problem for them or be the strong anchor for them when i'm not able to and that's a real partnership Right? Real partnership is when we can lean on each other, when we don't have to be, one person doesn't always have to have it right or have it perfect or have it all together all the time, because we're human. You know, we we can't have it all together all the time. And knowing that I have a partner who's going to, you know, we can take turns holding the reins. We can take turns driving the wheel. And like, I can sit back every once in a while. And so can he, because We're a partnership. We're a team. We're doing this together. Nobody's the boss and nobody's the teacher, right? We're learning this together. We all bring something to the table. And the more we can give each other space and respect and autonomy, the more our kids are going to have a really rich relationship with both of us. And we're all going to have a rich relationship with each other. And we're going to have a strong family. So just remember this is messy. It's hard. It's not always easy, but it can be really beautiful. And having a partner who you trust and who trusts you is a really, really wonderful thing when you're moving forward in this journey of parenthood. I want to hear how you've dealt with this issue in your own relationship. What have your biggest pain points been? Have you caught yourself panicking when you see your partner parenting in a way that you felt was perhaps quote-unquote wrong, head over to the podcast Instagram page, Securely Attached Podcast, and comment on this episode's post or shoot me a DM to let me know. You can also find me at Dr. Sarah Bren on Instagram, where I share even more psychologically informed and research-backed information to help you on your parenting journey. So thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to follow, like, and rate the podcast. And until next week, don't be a stranger.